A bit of déjà vu on agenda this week as the Bishop's vote is once more called into question, this time by the House of Keys, who narrowly voted to allow Laurie Hooper to introduce a private member's bill to remove the vote from the Bishop. Mr Hooper was accused as having malevolent purpose and being distracted by trivial matters when he should be getting on with the day job of fixing health services. We'll hear from the rather fiery Keys debate shortly, but first, back in June, I spoke to Joni Farragher MHK about her motion to June Tinwald to remove the bishop's vote and suggested to her it was a timely moment to make this decision with the bishop's retirement having been announced. Yeah, that's right. And, and as you say, really, this is just kind of taking an opportunity that presented itself. I, I, I think... We have so many complex, big issues facing us right now that perhaps um, constitutional, structural reform of the composition of of Parliament, of Timwald, is not necessarily at the forefront of everybody's mind. But this felt like it was an opportunity that that had presented itself and that could, if it's the will of Timwald, be resolved fairly rapidly um, with the fact that the Bishop is retiring and the Church of England won't be looking to appoint another one until, well, at the earliest, I guess, October. So if this does, if this motion is the will of Timwald and does pass, um, I, I feel that that will bring us a step more in line with with a sort of full democratic mandate of the whole of Timwald. And what would you say, I suppose, then to critics who would say, well, of course, if you do this, uh, we will probably end up losing the historic role going back to uh, St Machald uh, of of a bishop in the Isle of Man? Yeah, and I, I, I... I take that point and I think it's it's definitely a consideration. But for me, I guess what the Church of England does is sort of up to them. And if that's if that is what they decide that the, the diocese is is not to not to be any longer, then I, I guess that's kind of their call would be my view. But also I think there's always some reason that, that some tradition some traditional reason that we can hold on to not progressing and not moving forwards. And I think we have to kind of weigh those up. Which is the most important, you know, do we do we value uh, the sort of fundamental tenet of democracy in terms of the that being the people's voice and the people electing who's in our parliament or do we value the tradition of having a diocese which which one is the most important to us i suppose other parliaments seem to manage though with um unelected members bishops and the like i mean the um uh, why would we need to be uh, so so much more different bearing in mind the bishop is only one of 33 in Timbald and effectively uh, he doesn't uh, tend to sway debates uh, very significantly he just adds a, a kind of a moral and spiritual dimension to debate it's interesting the way that you phrase that question there phil so first of all um how do we know that he doesn't sway do we have any proof from what i I think that if he doesn't sway anything, then okay, what's the point of having him? <laughs> but first, uh, first of all, but secondly, the fact that you've kind of add, added in that he adds a moral or a spiritual dimension, I don't think that any religion or anybody, any group of people in any way has a, um, a monopoly on morality. And I think that I, I personally, as somebody who, who isn't, doesn't have a religion, feel that I, it's, it's important I have a, a, a deep 
deeply held sense of morality and I don't need a, a, a religion to, to sort of tell me that. So I think it's it's quite important to remember that morality is not down to affiliation with any group um, or other, otherwise. It's your individual conscience and what you feel is important. And I think I, I'm, I have a lot of faith in the fact that if you stand for public office, you want to do it for the right reason and you have a, a deep, deeply held moral code. And actually, I personally feel like having a look at the start of Timwald or at the start of the House of Keys at the Nolan principles would be a lot more helpful to a lot of us than, than taking a, a, a prayer to a prayer to a God that not 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 very many people in our society still actually believe in. And to me, it would feel like that would be more representative of people as well. In terms then of the debate, have you got any indication so far as to whether you're going to get support from members? No, I haven't, to be honest. I think that a lot of people are, are waiting to see how the debate actually goes. I think that there will always be a sort of quite um, vehement group on each side. So I think there are a couple who are very, very strongly opposed to this. And then there are a couple who are very, very strongly in favour. But the vast majority of people kind of think, well, it's it's absolutely right that he shouldn't really have a vote and um, and we do want to improve democracy, etc. However, they don't necessarily want to... Um, want to offend people or they don't want it to be taken to to uh, at the point at which it it, it becomes uh, uh, an issue for the electorate or that they they upset people so i think that we we people are gauging opinion from their from their electorate from their voters i suppose um over this time and i i, I i'm really looking forward to the debate i really hope and i, I believe that it's going to be a respectful debate of all all faiths and, and and all belief systems and that everybody can try and engage in it in a, in a really sort of um genuine way and if some helpful or perhaps mischievous depending on your outlook amendment arrived to your motion suggesting that uh, well okay remove the bishop's vote but allow him to continue to be part of uh, Tenwald would that be something that you could support? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately my goal would be to have the composition of Parliament as being people who were um, representatives of the people. Um, and, and that you know, Legislative Council at the moment is are indirectly elected, so they still do have that mandate. However, appointees in our Parliament to me seems opposed to the to the fundamental tenet of democracy. So as far as I'm concerned, I would not like to see appointees at all in our parliament. However, if it is the will of Timwald, I think that, you know, there will be an amendment that to say that the, the role remains, but the, the vote is removed. That will be a small step forward. It's not as much of a step as removing appointees from the composition of our parliament. But I think it would still be a small step forward that I would I would be, you know, pleased to have been part of. Timwald does have a habit of shuffling forward when it comes to uh, to uh, uh, constitutional reform. So uh, perhaps a shuffle is better than a bold step. Well, I mean, I think, yes, a shuffle is always better than no steps whatsoever. I would agree with that. Um, personally, I'm all about the bold steps. So <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I would like us to take a bold step of saying we do not agree with the um, with the principle of appointees in our parliament because it, it opposes democracy. And I would like to see us make that step. But a shuffle, like I say, is better than no steps whatsoever. <laughs>
Joni's motion was lost, as indeed was the amendment. However, the Keys' vote was sufficiently strong to encourage Mr Hooper to put forward a short private member's bill to remove the bishop's vote. In moving his motion, Laurie Hooper explained his proposed bill would be very short, said he would hope to include the long title of the bill in Manx, the first time this would have been done in living memory, and urged members not to regurgitate their June Tinwald comments. Following Mr Hooper's opening remarks and Mrs Farragher's seconding, Rob Collister was first to speak. I'm somewhat surprised that we're here again today discussing the removal of the Lord Bishop's vote in Timwald and Legislative Council, especially when this item was only discussed in June this year, as the Mother has just mentioned. The Honourable Member for Ramsey, as the current Health and Social Care Minister for the Isle of Man, is no doubt fully aware that his department and Manx Care are currently facing some seriously issues around recruitment, retention and from a financial point of view. The Minister's full attention at the moment should therefore be around setting and delivering the long-term strategy to improve the Isle of Man's health service and social care service for the people of the island, instead of navel-gazing around the Bishop's boat. Relevant. I wish the Minister would spend more, would just spend one lunchtime speaking to the people in Strand Street or Parliament Square in Ramsey, because most of them would tell the Honourable Member they very clearly don't care about the Bishop's boat. What they do care about is how the Honourable Member for Ramsey intends to improve health and social care services on the island, especially when we have 4,200 people waiting to access an NSS dentist, island residents... Mr Speaker, point to... of order, Mr Speaker. Yeah, there is. Point of order, Mr Speaker. Order. Standing order 3.33. No member shall digress from the subject matter of any motion under discussion. This is clearly a significant digression. Thank you. Okay, I'm happy to do that, Mr President, but as I say, I think the Minister's <laughs> tension should be on that. On behalf of speaking to loads of my own constituents, this is not a high-priority discussion point. Therefore, I will not be voting for the motion today. David Ashford was the only speaker other than the mover to support the motion. Thank you, Mr Speaker, now for something completely different. Um, I, 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 for the first time ever, I'm probably going to take the Honourable Member for Ramsey's advice and I will keep my intervention very, very brief. It is simply uh, to say that uh, you know, over the years, there's many people who have tried various different mechanisms to try and bring this forward. Um, I think this is the first time, as far as I'm aware, that it's come forward attempted as a bill. Um, so actually, since it aligns with everything I've said in Timwell previously, um, I wish the Honourable Member well with it. Um, and I, um, I welcome his confidence that it will progress. Uh, we'll soon know whether that confidence is well-placed or misplaced. Thank you, Mr Speaker. On the other hand, Chris Thomas was far from supportive. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Speaker. And I congratulate uh, the Honourable Mover for congratulating Coach Vannin as the national translator so much, so fulsomely. Um, there was a time when I got to the front page of the uh, local new newspapers using Manx, and I referred to something that... Um, Minister Hooper had said was Bochnid, which uh, translates roughly as nonsense, and uh, but it does sound it's quite similar to a word that Tony, quite 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 similar to a word that Tony Blair once used in Westminster and didn't even get punished for it. But uh, but it's a fair point. You know, Coach Van does do a great job translating the long title. Mr Hooper's not quite right. We are systematically working back through previous legislation for our long title. So that was a commitment that we made to the Council of Europe. We have actually published long titles and significant parts of 
of five bills and we're working on three more as well at the moment because that is important to actually have the, have the legislation in our own language. And also just wanted to say that the long title could be changed during the course of the administration but Culture Banning would have no problem whatsoever retranslating the, um, the, um, the long title. In terms of further comments, and I will have to refer to my previous speech, um, unfortunately um, the, the, the Honourable Move has made an assumption about people's voting when he's been stating that the House of Keys um, expressed this well, voting and my voting is becoming a bit of a theme today, but basically between lines 4,475 4, to lines 4,480, I did say on the 20th of June very clearly, so in summary I will be supporting the amendments for Mrs by Mrs Maltby and Mr Speaker, but I will actually be voting against the motion at this stage. It is a safer bet to make sure, at least if we are going to have something decided today, it is more sensible their amendments than the alternative, but I am a passionate believer in doing the job properly rather than quickly and hastily and living to regret the situation. So I do learn and change my mind because I had voted differently in 2017 when this was previously um, voted. So I was one. I'm included in the 14, but I wasn't amongst the 14. Most people in this uh, House actually subsequently voted against um, the motion. So it's not even true to say that Mrs Mulvey, um had an amendment uh, passed because the amendment for Mrs Bulby was, 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 was defeated. So we need to be very careful about the language. I just think the timing of this uh, private member's bill is um, request for leave to introduce is, uh, as somebody described it to me yesterday, malevolently opportunistic. Um, it, could, it could be naive, he said, but it doesn't seem like it. It seems malevolently opportunistic. It's coming on just after the bishops retired and made um, you know, detailed contribution and set up processes that's going on for a very important aspect that's, been, you know, that's an important part of our historical tradition and, pro and current processes. It comes the week after we had a Catholic co-cathedral celebration for our, a new bishop, at least a co-cathedral um, associated with the island. And what's more, so that's the second point to add, you know, connected to this um, to this. To this uh, to this, to this request today. And the second point is that um, I can think of five constitutional innovations that need to be thought through properly that are more important than this one. So, for instance, the link between elections and governments and policies that emerge that the Chief Minister so coherently outlined last week in terms of the mandate for assisted dying but also has other implications. The Auditor-General and the Ombudsman are still settling in. That's number two in my list of five. Secondary legislation, primary legislation, how are we considering committees, all of the uh, bits that we're talking about today. LegCo voting on the budget, because I think as far as I can see, <coughs> the People's um, Committee of the Chinese Republic that still have anywhere in the world have uh, unelected members <laughs> voting on budgets. So therefore that's another issue. And finally, the Speaker having to be political once a month to get re-elected quite worthily. There are five more important constitutional issues than the Crown and the Bishop. And I remember Jeremy Corbyn actually agreeing with that point of view because even the most radical of thinkers, didn't he, Mr Corbyn didn't actually do anything about the Crown or the, bishop, or the Bishops during his time for that very reason. You know, there is important traditions and then there's important public policy that needs to be settled and we should be focusing on, on important um, public policy. Here, here. The two constitutional aspects I put down in my debate, I just remind people of. The first one is that we have one of the smallest chambers of a parliament on earth. We only have nine members in it, which is very easily capturable by forces, and they do seem to have been 
a trend since the Legislative Council ceased to have the characteristic of an aldermanic bench whereby democratically elected po politicians try to capture the Legislative Council and it's really easy to do if there's only nine members of it and it would be even easier if there are only eight members of it and secondly it's absolutely daft to have an even number of politicians in a branch it's much easier to have an odd number and so they are profound constitutional uh, issues that um, would arise from this consequence and I won't be supporting the leave to introduce today. Claire Christian also opposed the motion, as indeed did Jason Moorehouse and Tim Glover. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I shall keep um, my comments exceptionally short. I just wish to affirm that my stance remains unwavering since June, and I'm in alignment with the Lord Lisvane report, which concluded that there is no convincing rationale to eliminating the bishop's vote. Moreover, I find no justification to endorse the proposition of implementing a bill that would eradicate the bishop's voting rights. Thank you. Uh, Mr Morehouse, I'm member for Abercastle Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, this really does concern me. I will briefly focus on three points. Um, the first is why. As has been mentioned already, we discussed the bishop's role in Tinwald quite recently, and as Mr Thomas did suggest, it does look like opportunism. Um, the second one is... Um, the concern is risky stabilising the current process to find a new bishop. Um, the Right Honourable Member has had um, seven years to bring this forward, and it does look a bit late in the day at this I moment. Tried twice before, Mr. Speaker. And finally, just in terms of the important things we've got to do, um, my good friend Mr. Collister really did highlight some key issues in the community that have been raised, and I, yeah, yeah. I don't want to concern um, Minister. Mr Hooper over that again, but there, there are real issues in terms of priorities. And fix them. So, Order. Uh, I think I'll do my job, and everyone else can do their job, and we'll all get along just fine. Mr Morehouse, you have the floor. Thank you very much. Um, from my perspective, it's really a matter of ensuring that we can go forward to actually um, bring this in at this point is potentially destabilising. Um, I believe the vote is important. It reflects um, an independent moral high ground. It's not going to be tainted by politics and um, the political thinking at the moment. It's actually got that longevity and history, and I think it's an important thing we retain. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Thank you. Member, Mr Glover. Very mild, Lord. I've just got... Uh two questions really to the mover and that is uh, I think Mr Thomas expressed it before um, and I know and I'll correct that we've got 24 in here which is an even number but we are uh, losing in a smaller chamber that's the point I think that we're going down from uh, nine to eight if uh, we remove the vote which does leave the chances of a split in a smaller chamber um, considerably higher so just like comment on that and also has the mover looked at uh, constitutional matters and whether a vote to remove the vote while we're at the moment waiting for the appointment of a new bishop, whether that will affect whether we have a bishop or not. Um, so has he put that research in ahead of this? Because we are here as representatives of the uh, people and uh, we still do have um, a majority um, that expressed in the census that they were Christian, 40,725 as opposed to 32,608 uh, with no uh, no religion at all. So have we actually checked uh, while we're in this uh, uh, position where we're without a bishop whether we would indeed get a new bishop? 
Why did Laurie Hooper bring this motion forward? When I moved the bill, actually, I was quite clear I didn't want lots of people speaking because we had a pretty long debate on this in June in, in Timwald. And I think in that debate in Timwald, I think everybody spoke. So everyone was already really clear on the record what their views were in that debate. Uh, and there were 14 members of the Keys at that point that said yes. So I was always expecting the vote in Keys to be 14 yes and, and 10 no. That was what I was expecting. Mr Thomas, uh, I think, pushed the wrong button. I think I can't remember what he, reason he gave, but... Uh, uh, that's why he changed his vote then in the, the second debate versus the first one. So 13 was sort of a reasonable expectation, to be honest. Uh, and I think it was quite helpful from my perspective that we didn't rerun the first debate because that doesn't serve any purpose. It would just be wasting everybody's time. We're all on the record. Everyone knows what we think. You know, let's get it done. So the bill that I'm bringing forward actually has uh, three clauses in it. The first clause is the short title. There is a clause about voting and a clause about the quorum. That's it. It's already been drafted by the Attorney General's Chambers. It is very similar to a bill that was passed in 1971. So there hasn't been a lot of work needed on this. Uh, and in fact, most of the work on the motion and on the, the principles behind it were all done uh, as part of the d debate in in. June that was brought by Ms. Farragher. There isn't really a lot of time or energy that needs to go into this. It is now just a case of following it through the process and, and demonstrating to the Keys that, that we can do this in, in a sensible way and then obviously through the Legislative Council. But there's plenty of legislative time available. I mean, the House of Keys can sit full days, and we don't typically sit full days. The first time we've done that recently was actually for the assisted dying, uh, which came through uh, in the last few weeks. But really, we do have at the moment quite a bit of legislative time. Uh, like I say, this followed st almost straight on the heels of the debate in Timwald in June. So the timing really is a combination of those two factors. It was, yes, there's legislative time now to do this. There, there probably won't be next year, because next year, I think government's legislative program is going to start heating up. You could see that in the various department plans that are coming forward and because we just had the debate it felt like a sensible time to say well the debate's happened let's do the thing that the house of keys uh, wanted to do in that debate it feels like the stars sort of aligned really and another charge of course is that you are destroying the heritage of tinwald by doing this because chances are we won't get another bishop i'm not sure that's true to be honest i think there uh, as has been made quite clear in the debates uh, there is quite a lot of value in having uh, someone in, in Timwald who isn't uh, really responsible to the electorate. I don't think I agree with that necessarily. Uh, my personal view is everyone in Timwald Court should be elected by the people, uh, but I can at least understand where, where the view is coming from. And the very deliberate decision I made was not to try and remove the bishop because that is not what the House of Keys voted for. They just voted to, to deal with his vote. And ultimately, um, the diocese itself has been around for a very long time. Uh, the church will do what the church does, but I uh, would like to think the church sees there is inherent value in the diocese itself and so will be appointing a new bishop in due course who will still have his seat in Timwald Court, will still be able to advocate for the things that he wants to advocate for and will still be able to, as Bishop Eagles talked about, advocating for the rights of the minority sometimes. And I don't see any downside to, to them doing that. So really I think people that are uh, alleging all sorts of uh, things about that, they're probably just uh, getting themselves worked up for, for no real reason. The final point then if you're going to do constitutional reform, then this is probably not high on the list of things that need to be done. Again, I'd probably agree with that, actually. Um, if you are going to do constitutional reform, I would be happy to look at the role of MLCs, the number of constituencies, the, the size of Timor. All those questions are valid questions. Uh, but I come back to why am I doing this? Because this very specific thing is what the Keys said they wanted to do. Uh, so we had a debate in June where the Keys voted 
by majority to do this. That's why this is, is coming forward from me. The Keys didn't vote and say, let's do wholesale constitutional reform. And, and back to your early question around how much time this will take, this is quite a quick piece of legislation, I think, with a very defined, very specific goal. If I was looking to do broader constitutional reform, that really would take me away from my constituency work, from my departmental work, from my ministerial work. And I don't think I could justify to myself, let alone to my constituents, that I should put that constitutional reform as a higher priority than work in the health service. So I think there are lots of reasons why I would agree with you that says, yes, there's lots of constitutional reform we could do. But there's lots of very good reasons why I don't think it would be right for me to try and do that. The vote was won narrowly with 13 for and 11 against, which will allow Mr Hooper to get his short bill drafted and brought back to Keys for consideration. What do you think? A necessary change to bring our parliamentary system into the 21st century? Or unnecessary tinkering when there are more important things to be getting on with? Is the vote of the non-elected bishop any different to the votes of the other eight democratically unaccountable LegCo members? Don't forget this programme is available as a podcast on Manx Radio's website. For now, I'm Phil Gorn. Got a Mayo. Thanks for listening.